Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris, and this is, in my opinion, an important episode. Um, I uh, had the pleasure of reading a book on the Charlottesville situation from 2017. For those who um, remember, there was a rally in Charlottesville called Unite the Right. And then um, after that rally, there there was some violence. Someone even died. Donald Trump made some statements that gained some national media attention in which he said that there were good people on both sides uh, of this rally, counter protesters and protesters. And that actually became such a big event, a big big, um, statement from Donald Trump that it even made its way into the national election last year. Biden tried to use this against Trump. And in the spin was that Trump was calling Nazis, neo-Nazis, racists, um, essentially good people. And this could not be further from the truth, but this has been something that the left has tried to pin on the right, political conservatives, for, well, since the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally happened. And um, so there, that's, that's the background to this. Well, I read a book called Charlottesville Untold over the weekend, and we have the author of that book with us, Anne Smith. She also runs uh, the Reckonin website. Uh, she's the founder of Reckonin. Is it Reckonin.com, Anne? What, how do people get yes. there? Okay. Yes. Reckonin.com. Uh, and you can find her book, um, Charlottesville, uh, on Charlottesville at the Shotwell Publishing website. They didn't want to just use Amazon. You can go to Amazon and find it there as well. But if you want to get the ebook, you got to go to Shotwell Publishing to find that. Uh, and uh, Anne, I'm just so grateful to have you with us to talk about this because uh, I think it, this is important to get this right. And um, okay. so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for being here. Sure. Thanks for having me. So I, I want to say, I want to ask this, um, as I was going through the book and I, and I did it in one sitting, basically, I, I couldn't stop listening to it. Um, I kept thinking of January 6th because mm-hmm. I was, I, I was there, my, the audience knows I wasn't inside the Capitol or anything, but I didn't know anything was really going on inside the Capitol until much later. And I kept thinking about the tactics used in Charlottesville. They, they, it sounds like almost ex- exact same scenario. Do, do you see that? Um, yeah, I did. In fact, I wrote a little blog post about it. Now, I think the nature of the, the actual protests were pretty different. Um, but um, as, as far as how the media handled it afterwards, um, how they um, they kind of portrayed the people that, that were there, even though they were mostly well-intentioned people um, as, as terrorists. And they, they um, you know, the media narrative and um, was used to, to further that agenda. Yeah. And so the thing that bothers me about both Charlottesville and what happened on January 6th is how the media has taken these events and within, I mean, the, the paint's not even dry. We don't even know all the facts and they're already, they already have the narrative pre-written that they're radical insurrectionists, or in this case, neo-Nazi racists, uh, white supremacists, et cetera. They, they have this narrative already built in that there's this emergency uh, that the, 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 there's this rampant threat out there that the, all the American people need to bond together against to stop because mm-hmm. it's this impending danger. And they use these events as their justification for it. Mm-hmm. And um, when you look deeper into them, uh, you find out their narrative, it's, it's almost built on nothing. There's, there's really not mm-hmm. much to actually support it. So mm-hmm. is that was that the reason that you wrote the book uh, because you were just upset about this narrative uh, or what was your um, reason? Yeah, um, I mean, the fact that the, um, the that having been there and seeing what really happened and it is just dramatically different um, in the eyes of anyone that was there from from what what was portrayed on the, in the media. And it's just 
you know, I mean, you know the media is not truthful, but when you experience this um, egregious lie about such a massive thing, um, it's just, it, it just has such an impact on you. And I, um, and I felt like um, the people that were there had never been really gotten a chance to get their, their side of the story out. Even the organizers have never been interviewed by the mainstream media, that most of the people involved have been kicked off mainstream social media. Um, and, and, you know, and, and, I think even though a lot of people know that they shouldn't really trust the the mainstream news, they've never heard the other side of the story presented. And I just thought someone needed to do it. It really needs to be put out there. So tell me a little bit about the, the story itself. Let's get into some of the details here. You were there. Um, what made you want to go to the rally in the first place? Well, um, I talk about this a little in my introduction. Um, having been from Columbia, South Carolina, the Confederate flag was always an issue here in Columbia. There were always rallies. And, um, and after the, the Dylan Roof incident was used to kind of um, uh, open the floodgates to attack all sorts of Confederate symbols, I, I sort of felt helpless. I felt, and it was, it's infuriating because, I mean, Dylan Roof doesn't have anything to do with those things with the Confederacy. Um, but, but it was just, you know, um, I, I had been watching all the, um, the surge and uh, the attacks on um, statues and all kinds of emblems of Heritage America, and nobody was really doing anything about it. So when I learned that there was going to be a very um, a large um, a protest, um, a bold statement against these erasures of heritage, that I really wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. So I mean, I, when that happened in 2015, preceding the Charlottesville event, this uh, Dylan Roof incident, I remember. Uh, telling I, I wasn't uh, married to my wife yet but I we were dating we were very serious I remember on a date we were walking and I, I said to her like right after that happened I said this is going to be the pretext for ripping down all of American symbols and she was what, like how could why you know wouldn't they just kind of stop with that and I said no because the logic that they're using to take this down to to, um, to interpret this symbol from the past uh, they're going to use that same kind of logic to interpret other symbols. And, and we've seen that. It, it, Trump predicted it. You, you have in your book uh, during Charlottesville, Trump said, okay, it's, it's Robert E. Lee today. It's Thomas Jefferson tomorrow. And that's exactly what we've seen. The left um, has not stopped with Confederate monuments. They have gone on from that to um, any, any symbol of uh, America that they can, or, or a person that they can uh, somehow connect to racism or, or, oppression, even if they have to fabricate something in two mm -hmm. steps or less. And, mm -hmm. and so that's been my concern, um, is that the, this knee jerk reactionary, uh, let's, let's condemn something without first trying to understand it without trying to understand why, uh, these monuments were put up in the first place, uh, what their, their actual, um, their plaques say, uh, what the intentions of the erectors were this kind of thinking of we can just take a present narrative and then impose it on the past is is destroying so many things and it's going to get into christianity it's going to get into scripture it already is in some you know this ancient book that has all sorts of oppressive things so th that's my concern I, I know that's your concern as well and mm -hmm. um, i know you're a christian uh, mm -hmm. as well as you're, you're looking at this um tell me a little bit about w when you were at the event give, give me the pulse of the crowd are these are these really a bunch of neo-Nazi white supremacists who were there? Because uh, I know there, there were some, right? Or was it the majority of them? Were they like you? They just wanted to defend traditional American symbols and things that they had ties to. Well, it, it was quite a mix and they were all kinds of people and some of them were extremists and you know out of the mainstream but um, I would say I think several people that I interviewed thought that about 80 or 85 percent were um, regular heritage supporters. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so there wasn't any white supremacy, no neo-Nazi or Klan connections, nothing like that. They just thought, you know, we shouldn't take these monuments down. Mm-hmm. We want to go and make our voices heard. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for a lot of them, that definitely was, was it. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so so you're you're defending them essentially. You're saying that don't don't leave this out. Then don't leave out the eighty five percent who were there because uh, for for really a, a cause that wasn't anything about hate. It was really about love for their their own ancestors, their own past, their own mm-hmm. connections to military service or something of that nature. Um, but there there were some radicals there. So the the media has it seemed like taken those radicals and then used them to portray you know, the rest of the audience was just like these guys, just like Richard Spencer. Um, were you offended or were you personally, uh, did that anger you when you saw that happening, when you, you were being put into the same category as someone like a Richard Spencer? Well, I, I wouldn't say it, it angered me. I mean, cause people, there were all kinds of people there, but, but it was, it's really not fair for them, for the media to decide how to portray people who were not allowed to speak for themselves. I mean, that's the point They they weren't allowed to hold a rally and they're, you know, assuming these evil intentions that, that none, nobody was allowed to speak. I mean, and, and you don't know what they believe because they weren't allowed to say it in public. Um, that That's kind of the issue for me. Okay. So it's a free speech thing. It's that we're not yeah. hearing the other side. Okay, so tell tell me the story sequentially then for for the audience, um, because here's the story we get from the mainstream media. Uh, A bunch of almost like anarchists who are hateful Nazi white supremacists, uh, all in an unlawful assembly convened in Charlottesville uh, to try to terrorize the minority population there. And Donald Trump then came out and said that they were good people. That's what most Mm -hmm. people listening to the mainstream media, that's what they think. Right. Donald yeah. Trump called a bunch of Klansmen and neo-Nazis really good people, and they were out there, uh, you know, terrorizing uh, people in the Charlottesville community. What actually happened? Uh, well, what actually happened was um, the um, the people that were there to hear the speeches were kind of, um, they were abandoned by the police. That's an important thing a lot of people don't know. Um, that and, and this is this was proven, it was um, in an independent um, study that was funded by the city, um, that, that they researched everything, they talked to, um, you know, over 100 people, they looked at all the video, and um, they basically determined there was just a, a long list of failures by the police, um, that the police, they didn't they didn't have a stand down order but they essentially did nothing all day and not only did they they not intervene but they didn't even separate the parties that were going to be um uh in opposition and and um and after the dispersal order was called they actually pushed the hostile parties together so so the authorities created a situation they well they first the the um you know the rally attendees were funneled into the park um surrounded on um, most of the way by hostile um mob and then were dispersed and forced into the mob and the fighting ensued at that point so the people that were in attendance weren't didn't go there to attack they went there and they were pushed into a situation where they had to fight to to get back to they were ordered to disperse or be arrested and they had to get they had to leave and they had to fight their way through a hostile crowd so these are people who they had a permit to be there right yes okay mm-hmm. so the, the the people who attend who organized this rally they were doing it in mm-hmm. reaction to the city wanted to take down a robert e lee uh statue which they've now taken down and mm-hmm. they came out they got a permit they did this the legal way is my understanding mm-hmm. and then yeah. there's well, what's the the um What's the ratio, if you would, of, of counter protesters, meaning the people from Antifa and socialist organizations who came out against uh, the people who are trying to support the statue? 
Uh, well, I would say there were probably roughly about a thousand attendees and statue supporters. And I would say there was um, several times that many. I don't know the exact number, but they were they were very, very much outnumbered. And a lot of people from out of town came in, were bust in. You say bust in. You, you talk about this in the book um, as well. And I found it very disturbing. You talk about some of the banners and equipment and things they had. It was it, it was not cheap. They clearly some paid protesters. And this is before 2020. This is I think now people understand. Hold on. There's a whole organization, a whole organized effort to bring protesters out when there's an event like this. Uh, but um, but but you saw it before 2020. And what you're saying is that the police just stepped aside and allowed mm -hmm. those who had a legitimate permit to be there mm -hmm. to be uh, harassed um, by the, th this mob. Um, mm -hmm. wh wh what did the harassment look like? Was, was it violent? Was... Um, yes, and there's um, something that um, Antifa does is they're, they're good at, um, that, well, they train to, um, for this, these kind of protests, but they do things that don't really rise to the level of, you know, of, of um, murder that would get attention or something, but they, they do things like, um, they'll throw, um, they throw feces and urine. They, um, would, uh, uh, pepper spray. There was a lot of pepper spray. They would throw, you know, um, uh, you know, rocks. They hit people with sticks, things like that. Um, a lot of, um, chemical weapons. People were like water balloons that had chemicals in them, um, things like that. So is the design of this to provoke the, the people on the right to attack them then, and then to get it on camera? I believe so. Yes. And um, yeah, people that have studied Antifa think that they, they are um, trained to provoke and um, they also are trained to break up groups to um, to draw um, individual people or small groups away from from uh, the, the large crowd so they can, you know, gang up on them, things like that. Yeah. OK. Um, now, OK, so we so you have a group just to set the stage here. You have a group about a thousand people, 85 percent of which are just ordinary, regular Americans there to support a statue. You have, I guess, about 25 percent of groups that might be considered radical, maybe people that I wouldn't or we wouldn't even agree with uh, with some of their ideas. But they're they're there for uh, the same reason. But they can they're, they're more vilified and focused on by the media. And then you have on the other side uh, a bunch of what is it, socialist groups primarily or, or do we even know? Well, um, they do tend to be kind of secretive, um, but there was really um, a, a wide variety. There were some some uh, left wing militias. There were um, some Antifa type groups or Black Lives Matter, um, different anti-racist type groups. So there was, there was a, a lot of different um, groups of people. OK. And then the police, what, did they just kind of back down in the middle of this or what? what it, it seems almost like it was by design. I mean, they were carrying out orders and they some of them even liked what they were seeing that mm -hmm. uh, not all of them, but but some of them uh, enjoyed watching these uh, legitimate, you know, protesters who had a permit get the snot beaten out of them. Uh, is that is that accurate? <laughs> I, I think some of them were, and, and I think um, it, it might have been poor planning on the part of the authorities that they they didn't have the right gear where it was supposed to be, or um, you know the police felt that they weren't they weren't going to be safe if they intervened, and and so they were standing they were standing back. Um, and and I don't know the organizer, you know the main organizer, Jason Kessler, he's been um, uh, filing a lot of FOIA uh, freedom of information lawsuits trying to get um, the information released of the things that were going on at the command center that day, and a lot of it has not been released. Some of the devices were 
lost or destroyed or they're trying to get forensics people to examine them. Um, so a lot of what, what happened behind the scenes with, with what was going on between the authorities just isn't known. It's the subject of a lot, an ongoing suit. It, it, is there's this aroused suspicions so that they're trying to hide out of the evidence then of, of their intentions? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, thinking about January 6th and what happened there, I see parallels here. Uh, and I, I've talked about, you know, when I was there, I, I was there just, you know, to be there to support election integrity, as were the vast majority of people in the audience. And I remember seeing a long line of police cars with officers and they weren't at the Capitol. And, uh, you know, after the event had happened, then you see riot police coming in and it's, just, you know, three hours too late. And it's um, it was very suspicious, very that they had, you know, it, it was like they were inviting people and they had, uh, I remember surrounding the Capitol, these barriers uh, to prevent cars from coming in. They're all down. It just, mm-hmm. it, it, there were so many things I could go on and on about that just did not add up. And I'm seeing the same thing with mm-hmm. the Charlottesville situation where, the the police um the the crowd expected the police to do their job and protect mm-hmm. them and then they failed They're, to do yeah, it they did and what, what's the result of this i mean there there hasn't been anything quite similar to this since then I mean, it seems like all these monuments are coming down there's not a lot of pushback uh, do you think it's because the, of the fact that they people know if they support these monuments they're not going to have a police backup and they could have antifa after them yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and, and a lot of people I talk to, they don't they don't go to rallies anymore. Or those who do have trouble getting other people to attend because they're they feel like, well, the police aren't going to protect me, and if I if I get into a scuffle or trying to protect myself, I could be arrested. And and so um, so yeah, that's that's absolutely a problem, and that's that's why there's a um, a suit against the city about the heckler's veto, which is at issue, um, which is when the the police don't protect the um, controversial speakers from the angry mob. And if the police don't do that, then basically you don't have free speech for, for dissenters. So that's the issue with the lawsuit. Okay. And that's your main concern too, is the, the free speech mm-hmm. that we're just, th- this isn't the America that we even had six, mm-hmm. seven years ago. It, it's mm-hmm. um, we, we don't have the, the social media, um, uh, the, the freedom we did even on social media to post what we want. There's only one narrative that seems to stick. Um, one of the things I was thinking, I don't know if you're familiar with this. I, I, are you familiar at all with Theodore Adorno from the Frankfurt School and his F scale? Have you ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. So long story short, Theodore Adorno had this, um, this F scale that he created, which showed whether someone had Nazi tendencies or not. And, and there's some things like loving your family too much, you know, it could be a Nazi tendency, things like that. Even. <laughs> so mm-hmm. this made its way into academia. I mean, this, this became a big thing in uh, universities across the country. And, um, and, and we see the left using this kind of thing to, to vilify any American who's just a regular, ordinary American into being a Nazi if they don't, you know, dot the I's and cross the T's on the left's list of issues to care about and have good, you know, right positions on. And one of the things that seems to have happened, I would like to get your opinion on this in Charlottesville, mm-hmm. is that F scale kind of got out of the lab because it used to be it was only just it was Nazis. That was the, mm-hmm. the main Everyone's vilified by being a Nazi. But now since Charlottesville, there's um, there's two other categories, major categories that have arisen that one is um, neo-Confederates and mm-hmm. the other one is um, uh, nationalists or Christian nationalists mm-hmm. or just just nationalists in general. These mm-hmm. are two other terms that are now used. And they're basically they have the same emotional uh, attachment to the left, at least as a Nazi would have. And it's mm-hmm. like it's like they're doing the F scale thing. It's like, well, you, you know, you supported the Robert E. Lee monument. Well, you're a neo-Confederate or 
you know, you're supporting the Thomas Jefferson, you know, statue or whatever. Well, you're, you're just a nationalist. And they, they use these terms then to, as a club, um, I think Charlottesville was the point when that that happened. It, it's like the switch went off and we can start vilifying regular ordinary Americans who are just patriotic and that's all they are. Do you see that as well? Um, uh, yeah, definitely. It's it's. Um, I think it, anybody who um, holds beliefs that would have been even, you know, somebody that would have been a typical Reagan supporter, it would be considered a, a, a Nazi nowadays. So, so yeah, there's, there's really no tolerance at all for differing ideas. And I, one of the things I talk about is the, um, the Antifa have a, a principle of um, no platforming where they, they believe that they are um, morally obligated to prevent speech that they believe could be fascist or, uh, you know, Nazi hate speech, whatever they, they are feel entitled and obligated to prevent it. And, um, but the, the catch is, that they they decide who fits that label who doesn't get to speak well if you don't get to speak then how you know how do they even know but but they feel um entitled to shut down anything that they think might be leading in that direction and, and deny the free speech to those people i want to talk about donald trump for a moment and that's a very good point you just made he has been vilified for saying there were good people on both sides your book proves that there were good people on it, it wasn't a bunch of neo-nazis 85 percent of the crowd at least wasn't even part of these radical groups um donald trump's been very vilified for this though do you think there's any way to uh, kind of take that narrative back and 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 correct the record i know your book is trying to do that but i think people are looking right now for practical ways to expose the truth to, to show people you've been lied to on, on not just this issue, but a number of issues. And it's, you know, red, get, get, take the red pill. Um, realize that the mainstream media is lying to you. They have an agenda. What, get, give us some hope, some strategies, some, some ways. Have you, have you seen people wake up and the lights go on after maybe they, they hear from you or read your book? I know it's only been out for a short time. But. Yeah, well, it hasn't, um, it, it's, it's too soon to tell as far as my book, but I do think that, like, for example, the January 6th thing, which affected, I think, more mainstream people, the, pe the people that were at uh, Unite, Unite the Right, most of them kind of knew they were, you know, on, on the edge of the Overton window. Um, but I think that that seeing um, very mainstream Republican people get, get that same kind of treatment, I think and hope that that will cause people to question more the narratives they're hearing. Um, you know, to look outside the, the news for, for their um, understanding what's happening. Yeah, Donald, Donald Trump seemed to be the only one who even came close to trying to mm -hmm. accurately portray what happened in the mainstream. No one else even even touched it, even Fox News. And that was one of the things uh, that bothered me is that I didn't I didn't even realize that there were the organizer, I guess, of the rally who, who obtained the permit, who would, you'd think this would be the guy everyone would be wanting to interview. He mm -hmm. couldn't even get on Tucker Carlson. Um, what do you make of that? Uh well, I just think that that uh, they everyone were they were successfully marginalized and vilified, and nobody wanted to, to touch this this toxic group of people and act like they might be sympathetic to them. I, I think it's it's a cowardice, and it's also having a narrative that they just you know are going with. Why are political conservatives in the mainstream uh, media, if you can call Fox News that, which I think you can, why why in the world they they got to see the writing on the wall? They got to realize that. You know, the left doesn't have any fond feelings towards them if they distance themselves. So um, to, to even just interview someone, that, that doesn't mean an endorsement. I don't understand this uh, quite, the, the, this, um, 
this reaction that I I see over and over again from people on the conservative media world where they want to just distance themselves, distance themselves, distance themselves as if they're going to make points with the left by doing so. Mm -hmm. Is is it cowardice? What, What do you attribute that to? I, I think it is. I think it is. It's sort of, it's just, um, it's what their, the, the world, their paradigm, it would require a paradigm shift to look at things differently, I think. And a lot of people just aren't, aren't um, ready for that or, um, but yeah, I do. I think at, at the core it is, it is cowardice. You know, you have to, you know, stand up and say things that will get, get you um, shunned or attacked. That's not everyone wants to do that. Well, your, your book, Charlottesville and Told, is the only uh, book that I know of, or the treatment of this, that is actual real journalism to, to some extent where you're, you were there, you're talking about your experience, you, you went through uh, the experiences of many others, you've done interviews. I mean, this is well done. I haven't seen anyone even on the conser- in conservative media try to, to do any of this. And um, it does bother me a little, but I'm so glad that you did it because we, we have it now. Thanks. And um, mm-hmm. We, we and, and I would recommend people get this because that you can go back, uh, you know, read the book, obviously read through what happened, but you can use it as a reference when this is brought up You can say, hey, you know, I, I have a complete, you know, uh, record of, of what happened. And uh, it, it's probably the best thing that's that's come out about this so far. And, um, and and we can really overturn this narrative. This is not a true narrative at all. And, and I would, will confess to everyone, I bought the narrative to some extent when it first happened. I remember um, on Facebook, I think I had posted something like, look, I don't have a dog in this fight. We got a bunch of Nazis and a bunch of communists fighting it out. You know, that's I'm nowhere to be found in that. But it, that wasn't what was actually going on. And the, the media portrayed it that way. Uh, what are some lessons, some takeaways um, for you personally being there? I mean, uh, have you have you learned something about I don't know the media or has it changed um, your life at all? Um, yeah, uh, I I think even though as I said I think you know to you know not put too much stock in what the media tells you just to have something that that affects you that personally and see it that uh, you know some something that powerfully false just take over everything it really makes an impact on you um, in, in a way you can't explain and you sort of um, I think the people that were there all feel kind of a kinship uh, because uh, of having been through something that most people don't don't understand and uh, yeah so that that absolutely has an impact on you it, it, it um, you know it's sort of life-changing yeah yeah did you have, um, I mean, I, I've had a few experiences where I've seen, okay, I was at an event and then I saw it in the newspaper or the television, the events reported and they get it totally wrong. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like these people are not after the truth. Was that, was this the moment for you that, that you just kind of realized? I think January 6th was one of those moments for me, but you, you thought, oh my goodness, there, there's even, even those on the right, they, truth is not mm-hmm. the issue. They don't care about that as much as they do. I don't know. I don't know. Being in fashion yeah. or something. Yeah. And it really um, impressed upon me how, I mean, how evil the, um, our leaders can be that they would, um, cause I, I mean, I felt like it, it was allowed to happen that they or and they, you know, used it for their own purposes and just, it's just appalling to see that they're willing to do that. I mean, you know, it on some level, cause you see, I mean, you know, history, but when you experience it, it just really has an impact um, yeah. beyond. Yeah. There is one event from that day I wanted to pick your brain on. I probably should have done that earlier, but uh, they're um, constantly, whenever the, the Charlottesville situation comes up, 
we are reminded of the one death that did take place mm-hmm. that day. Um, and, and I don't remember, you were, you, you were not in that vicinity, I, I don't think. Were you? Okay. No, no, I was in my hotel by then. <laughs> okay, yeah. so you, you saw what was going on, mm-hmm. you left. Um, when that, that's the, the thing that they point to, though, and they say, look, this this Nazi guy, and, and it looks like he was, and you were honest about this. Looks like the, the guy does have a, a kind of a messed up background, and he is he does have some some very radical beliefs. But he um, it, it it seems to me that he was surrounded. And well, why don't you just tell us, since you did the research on this, what what actually happened there? Uh, well, um, there uh, as you said, I mean there there's. Um, reason to believe that it might have been intentional, but it, but there's also a lot of mitigating information that most people haven't heard. Um, you know, for example, that he was, um, ha- you know, had a, a an antifa with a um, with a weapon um, shoo him away just a, a block or two before, a few, you know, a, a minute or two before, and um, that uh, that he had put his home address into his GPS, and every route he was trying to take was blocked by crowds, which were not supposed to be there because it was a state of emergency. Um, the, the authorities didn't clear the streets, and that the this, these mobs had been attacking cars, um, uh, you know, or throughout the day. So, so you know, that, those are that's the mitigating information. Now, now he did um, have a um, a history of, uh, you know, mental illness and some temper um, flare-up issues. So um, whether he was just just simply afraid or whether he had a, a, a moment of rage, I don't know that. But I do know that that, um, that there was some um, reason to question that it was deliberate. And, and well, he had put in, you, you wrote that he had put in his home address, right? Mm-hmm. So that he was mm-hmm. trying to get home it, um, mm-hmm. and, and he couldn't. And so at the very least, we'd have to look at this and say, this is a horrible situation. We obviously, um, I, my heart goes out to the parents and the family of, of this young lady mm-hmm. who died. Um, but at the same time, the police dropped the ball. There, there's mm-hmm. a, a uh, and then and then they, they get an ambulance there, right? As soon as this happens and someone's actually, uh, they're in danger of losing their life. I don't know if they were, um, had passed away at that point. The All of a sudden, the police kick into gear as if, you know, they had the resources. It just shows they had the resources, but they weren't willing to deploy them uh, against the, the crowds. And um, so, so it's very, it's discouraging mm-hmm. to read it, but I'm glad the truth is important. I'm glad that, you, that it's out there, that you put it out there, that we can read it and know um, more in detail that this is a more complex situation than the melodrama that we've gotten. And I think it's important for people to know mm-hmm. that. Um, as a Christian, uh, you know, truth is important to me. Um, I see this this battle as more than just a uh, political battle. I see this as even more than just a cultural battle. I think there's a spiritual battle going on as well. doesn't mean that everyone who supports a Robert E. Lee or a Thomas Jefferson or a George Washington statue is a Christian. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that there are some very good mm-hmm. men. Robert E. Lee, um, sinner like everyone else, but has been, he's known as a noble Christian man. He's been known, that's been his reputation since the, really before even the Civil War, he was known uh, as, as a hero of the Mexican-American War. And, um, and, and, and anyway, he, uh, he, he has a stature that um, is, is, has been very hard for people to vilify and rip down. And yet it's happening. And it's happening mm-hmm. as things are getting more pagan, anti-Christian. Do you see that angle to it um, as well? And, and, I, and I'd like to know also, when you were there, did you notice in the audience um, any, I don't know, occult symbols or uh, were there anti-Christian things going on there as well, in addition to anti-American history stuff? 
And I didn't see any um, any overt occult stuff, uh, but I did. I do think that there is um, a spiritual element. And I, I I mentioned in the book some of the the left wing um, uh, clergy who were who had done some training with the left wing. Um, protest groups like Antifa uh, um, and Black Lives Matter. Um, no, I didn't see anything occult related, but I do think that there's a spiritual element to it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, the reason I was asking if some of the um, uh, stop the steal, you know, protests and things mm -hmm. like that, I'd gone to a few of them uh, before January 6th. And, and I do remember groups that literally were out there with occult symbols and mm -hmm. they were very overt about their intentions. Uh, wow. But you didn't, yeah, you didn't see that though on, mm -hmm. on in Charlottesville. Yeah. Um, the, 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 you just reminded me about the pastors. That was a disturbing element to me as well, that there's pastors out there. They were describe that situation. They were using profanity. What were they saying to, uh, oh, well, what, one of my, um, my interview subjects said, gave me some very specific vulgar things that the, the clergy had said to him. And, um, and I, so at least one of these clergy members has been, um, has been using some of that kind of language online. So, um, it, it can't be, um, it, you know, one-time incident, but um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're left-leaning, they're definitely left-leaning, and we're um, work, working, um, training with the, um, the left-wing um, activist groups. Yeah, and, and, so they, and they were all together, is that correct? A bunch of, like, cleared, did they have a group that they were called or something like that? Um, there were a lot of different groupings of them, um, okay. yeah, they're, yeah. So they lent some spiritual like legitimacy to the, the left as you know, hey, we're mm -hmm. on the right side. But meanwhile, they're using filthy language. They're saying provocative, inflammatory things, uh, thing, things mm -hmm. that you, you wouldn't see Christ saying. And and somehow at the same time, maintaining some kind of a status of being a pastor. Um, th this is one thing, as I've um, talked about the social justice movement in Christianity, it seems to me. Like as long as you pursue anti-racism or anti-sexism or whatever, you know, the left leaning agenda is, you get kind of a blank check to do a lot of other things. There's, you know, you don't have the microscope on you. You can do all kinds of other immoral things. But as long as, you know, hey, you have the right position on on race or sex or gender or something, then, hey, you're good to go. Uh, and and that, it just reinforced that when I was reading this about Charlottesville, I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, that that's so shameful. But yet that was the display that was there that day. Uh, what other things? Well, do you... it's the new religion, as as yeah. you've noted. That's that's the new religion, <laughs> the secular religion. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. What other things mm -hmm. um, would would you emphasize? Things that you wouldn't want to leave out in a retelling of, of this, to, for what you want people to know. Um, well, I guess the the lasting impact, um, uh, you know, on some of the people that were personally there, um, the the censorship content, you know, has people have never come back from that. Um, that's when the censorship against political dissidents online really ramped up and still continues. And, um, and that's, has a lasting impact. Um, the, um, the ability of, um, dissident groups to gather and, and protest, um, has, um, has changed. Um, it, just the free speech issues, the legal issues, things that, that are continuing. Yeah, it, that was an interesting thing too. Uh, I, I remember um, when, when you were in the book where you were talking about some of these groups, some of which we wouldn't probably agree with their political philosophy, but at the same time, they should have the free speech, you'd think, to uh, display their views as long as they're not you know, committing crimes or, or hurting people. Mm -hmm. And at the same, and, and so what's ended up taking place is that they've been booted off their platforms and no one really did anything at the time. And now we're seeing that mainstream conservatives are experiencing the same thing. 
Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I mean, I had a video uh, about a certain disease and a certain treatment for that disease, supposedly, <laughs> <laughs> that was taken offline just recently. And so mm -hmm. th this was kind of the pretext. It, it was almost like they were dipping their foot in the water a little and saying, okay, mm -hmm. can, can we do yeah, this? Yeah, you know, and if you think if they had, if, um, you know, the mainstream conservatives had said, hey, you know, we, you know, they're allowed to say, you don't have to like them, but they're allowed to say what they want to say. And, and, you know, the social media is the new public square. We need to protect everyone's right to be a part of it. They could have done that instead, but they were just like, you know, didn't want to be associated. So they let it happen. And now it's gotten to where it's affecting more and more people, even the president, the, the former sitting president. Yeah. So the, the lessons learned uh, for you, um, I know you, you, you talked about kind of your personal lessons, but political lessons here. Um, stand up, <laughs> protect everyone's free speech and their civil liberties. Yeah. And don't, uh, you know, d d don't be afraid of the mob and what they'll do. The mob's going to come for you next anyway. Right. Is that kind of what right. I'm getting? That, yeah. 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 Um, at, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, this book is, is you can get it on, uh, on Amazon, but you'd probably prefer people go to Shotwell, right? What's the, the shotwellpublishing.com or. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, and it's Charlottesville Untold, and then type that into the search bar and it'll come up. And um, there's a Kindle edition, there's uh, the hard uh, or the, the paperback cover, you can get that, I have that. Uh, and I would encourage people to pick it up. It's, it's a good, yeah. you're gonna want it as a reference because your children in history class or your grandchildren, uh, they're gonna be learning about this event and they're not gonna be learning the truth about it. And you want to have the truth. And I think, and you are, you're the only one I know of who's really put this out there in an understandable way for people to say, yeah, you know, I get it. I understand what happened that day. And so I appreciate you for doing that. Thank you. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, so any any final thoughts for us? Um, I, I don't think, so. I do want to mention the one cool thing the book has, and I can't take credit for it, but um, uh, Paul Graham, the, um, the uh, manager of Shotwell, came up with this idea. There are QR codes within the, the text. So if you have a, your phone, you can um, open videos to watch what is being talked about. So I thought that was a pretty cool touch because, um, you know, just to be able to see things in real time. So that's, that's a neat feature in this book, too. That is cool. Yeah. So it's interactive. You, you can search, mm -hmm. you can get your phone out and, and participate that way. That's awesome. All right. Well, uh, like I said, the book is at Shotwell Publishing and thank you and Smith for um, being willing to share uh, with us about the, this event and, and your book. And uh, my, you know, I, I hope that this gets out there far and wide. So God bless. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.